You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So instead, we're going to hire a professional voice actor and pay him absurd amounts of money to say, I like this product. Hmm, not sure why that was better. I mean, I'm a professional too. But we didn't pay him to say the business part, so back to me. Save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. Sorry, I know hearing me say it was a bit of a letdown. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Dad is the smartest guy you know, so give him a gift that's just as smart. Like a battery-powered smart doorbell from Google Nest that lets him see what's happening at his door and answer it from anywhere. The Google Nest doorbell is now on special buy for only $129.99 and works on any home. Find the best and smartest gifts for Dad. Feels like Father's Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid through June 19, 2022 at participating U.S. stores and online. Limit five per customer. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger and Skype, TV, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Philip Mantle. We're going to be talking to Philip about his new book that is out right now called Once Upon a Missing Time, a novel of alien abduction. Now, although a work of fiction, Once Upon a Missing Time is based on real-life close encounter cases from the United Kingdom. All of the characters in this drama are based on people who have either experienced this phenomenon firsthand or have been UFO investigators. The names, locations, and professions of all have been changed to protect the individuals concerned. And once you read Once Upon a Missing Time, you will realize that the phrase close encounter was just not a figment of Steven Spielberg's imagination. Philip Mantle is an international UFO researcher, lecturer, and broadcaster. 
His books have been published in six different languages around the world. He is the former director of investigations for the British UFO Research Association and former MUFON representative for England. Philip has written articles and features for numerous publications around the world and uh, has been both editor and assignment editor of High Street UFO Publications. And uh, we're speaking to Philip this very early part of the day in the United Kingdom from uh, West Yorkshire in England. And Philip, welcome back to the X-Zone. Yeah, good morning, Rob. Nice, nice to speak to you again. Nice talking to you, Philip. Congratulations on a, on a great book. Yet another great book, I should say. Well, thank you very much. It's been a long time coming, but I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see it in publication. Philip, why did you decide to do it in a novel instead of hard-hitting facts? Um, I think one of the main reasons for that, Rob, is when you talk about hard-hitting facts, my, my very first book mm-hmm. was a book called Without Consent. Yes. And it, and it dealt with abduction accounts and, and missing time cases from the UK. Mm-hmm. And like you say, normally in, in such publications, you stick to the facts only, you know, the date, the time, the location, what happened, what did they see, and so on. But what it tends to be missing is the personal side of things. How did these individuals cope with the experience? To whom did they turn? Mm-hmm. To whom did they talk to? You know, uh, how did their family and friends deal with it? Uh, what was their relationship with, you know, the UFO community and all right. this kind of thing? So that's largely missing from, you know, the hard facts publications. And I think it's a very important part of the whole subject, Rob, to be honest. And um, I thought one of the best ways to put that across was in a work of fiction, although it, it is based on, as you said in the introduction, uh, real-life close yeah. encounters from here in the UK. Also, m- many of the, those in the sceptical community, Rob, would have us believe that the abductees, as they've, be, they've become t- to be called, are uh, um, somewhat, uh, shall we say, eccentric, or they've even been called the lunatic fringe, or they, they live in the outback somewhere and just mm-hmm. drink moonshine all day, and they're not to be trusted, but of course, in reality, nothing is further from the truth. So again, I think it's, it's, it works better in a work of fiction to point out that whatever lies behind these experiences, it happens to ordinary members of the public who are about their everyday task. You know, they're going to work, coming home, you know, walking in the fields with the dog or whatever. Uh, when these experiences take place, and uh, I've tried to put the abductees in and, and show them in what I believe is, is the correct light, Rob. They're not from the lunatic fringe. No, they are not. just members of the Joe public like you and I. When these bizarre things happen to them, and if you think about it, who do you turn to? Well, you turn to Philip Mantle, of course. Philip, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Exonation. Philip Mantle is my special guest. We're talking about Philip's new book that is out right now. It's entitled Once Upon a Missing Time, a novel of alien abduction. My name is Rob McConnell. Philip Mantle and I return in two minutes. Don't go away.
ExoNation, Philip Mantle is my special guest. We're talking about Philip's new book. And uh, I just want to make sure you've got your pencils and paper ready. You do? Great. It's entitled Once Upon a Missing Time, a Novel of Alien Abduction. And you can uh, find out more about Philip at www.beyondroswell.com. You know, Philip, as you and I were discussing during the commercial break, that this is the first book that I'm aware of that actually takes a, a look at the personal side of encounters and abductions. And that hasn't been done before. And let me ask you, as one of the leading UFO researchers that I've had the pleasure of speaking to over the last 21 years doing this uh, show, how does it change or what effect does an abduction have on the person who is abducted into a craft? I think it, it, it um, affects people in different ways, Rob. I mean, in the book, uh, it, it's actually set in, 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 in 1990. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, there's no internet in those days, no smartphones. And um, it shows how, you know, the, what happens between the man and the woman. It's, it's a couple that's mainly involved in their young daughter. How, so how the relationship uh, develops between them. My experience with with the with abductees down the years, as um, I've interviewed them in person on, on you know many occasions, and it's differed from from one to another. I mean, there was one lady. Sadly, she's no longer with us, um, but she looked upon it as a very positive experience. Rob, she felt you know for some reason special, hmm. and um, she was um, a grandmother at the time, lived in a small village in in Northamptonshire. And as a result of going public, she, you know, she appeared on local, well, national television, did a whole host of things that weren't previously available to her before. So she looked upon all this as positive. However, on, on the other hand, there was a young man in in uh, in Wales that I interviewed called Nigel, and he had the quite the opposite reaction. Um, the the experience, literally, Rob, and I mean this, you know, accurately terrified him. I mean, it scared the living daylights out of him. He was so scared he had nightmares about it and he had to have uh, hypnotherapy to relieve the nightmares. So wow. it differs from one individual to another. But irrespective of how they deal with it, there is that deep emotional content, uh, whether they look upon it positively or negatively. I know there was an experiment done a few years ago by, I think it was by Alvin Lawson, who invented imaginary abductees, put people under hypnosis and made them, you know, come up with an abduction story. But the one thing that was missing from the imaginary ones, of course, was this emotional content. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to get that across in the book. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Rosalind Reynolds, who's an, uh, an abductee here. Uh, and Rosalind uh, has helped me with the book. She hasn't written anything, but um, she's had her own encounter. A lady who I've met uh, on a, a trust, you know, 100%. So she checked out the book, made sure I got it accurately. And, and again, you know, she had a very uh, emotional time, both with the encounter and the, the aftermath, so to speak. So there are elements of, of Rosalind's um, uh, personal experience in there. Not necessarily the facts, but again, how, how some of them have dealt with it, you know, the emotional content, the feelings... Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, how it affected her relationship. Uh, hers, unfortunately, with her, her partner at the time, deteriorated as a result. 
And um, so I've tried to emphasize those aspects of the story. I, I tell, of course, we have to tell what happened, the, you know, the, the encounter itself. Sure. But that's, you know, not the, the main thrust of, of, of the book. And like you said, Rob, I think it's a, an area that's, you know, largely been forgotten, I, you know, from a researcher's point sure. of view. We'll speak to someone and we'll take down all the facts and we'll check for clues and correlations or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then we'll let the, you know, they'll let them go home. Well, I mentioned the lady there by the name of Elsie, Elsie Okinson. Um, she looked upon it as a very positive experience, but one of the things that Elsie did with a number of others, going back a few years, and set up probably the very first witness support group here in the UK, wow. which I believe is still running to this very day. So, um, you know, some, some, some good came out of that. And uh, so it's an area that I think has been, been sadly missed, Rob, by, by researchers. And uh, in my own small way, maybe, you know, the work of fiction will, will, will help, you know, balance that out somewhat. Well, you know as well as I do, Philip, that many authors who want to get a point across will write their their book as a work of fiction because it's more widely accepted that way than if it was done in any other way. Speaking about how the how the abductees feel um, during your research, both for the book and and as a renowned investigator, do the encounters and the abductions vary, or is is there a set pattern? Well, there is a set pattern. Um, it, I think you'll find the set pattern no matter where you go mm-hmm. anywhere in the world, Rob. And um, I think it was, again, Dr. Uh, Eddie Bullard who was the first to notice this. He did a study of, of all the, a lot of the published material. And it, it, kept, it tends to follow a pattern. That it, you know, each abduction may not have all the same elements, mm-hmm. but when it does have the elements, they will all you know, go in the same order. Um, he, he talked about, about you know, uh, doorway amnesia or words to that effect. So a lot of people, for example, when they see the, the UFO, they don't remember how they got on it. And that's just part of the pattern. The individual components, what they saw, what they experienced may differ, but there does seem to be a, a routine, a pattern, you know, call it what you will. And that doesn't matter whether it's here in the UK, across there in, in, in North America or in you know, Timbuktu, you know, it tends to follow this set pattern. What that says about the phenomena, of course, Rob, is, is, a, is, a, is a different question, um, I would argue. What is interesting as well, Rob, again, just digressing somewhat, the skeptics mm-hmm. will say, well, you know, the use of regressive hypnosis taps into the fantasy of these individuals and, and hey, presto. However, when you compare full conscious recall without any hypnosis or the hypnosis testimony, it doesn't differ the pattern still remains the same. So surely if you, under hypnosis you were tapping into somebody's fantasies, they would, you know, this pattern would disappear in an instant. But sure. it doesn't. It remains consistent. And again, you know, that's another big question about the, the phenomenon as, as a whole. Let me ask you this, Philip. Uh, after the, after the, uh, the research that you've done, the investigations you've done, who's doing the abducting? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's a question I put to a number of abductees here in the UK a, a few years ago. Um, nothing scientific. Right. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that. I just said, look, I'm on the outside looking in. I've never had this experience. Uh, what do you think? You know, what do you think was the mm-hmm. nature and origin of your experience? There was a number, without doubt, said I believe these were beings from another world, not of this earth. Right. We, you know, without hesitation. However... 
there were some, like I mentioned, the lady called Elsie. She believed that this, to her, was some kind of spiritual experience. I don't necessarily mean religious. It was just some kind of spiritual experience. Right. The majority of them, however, Rob said, I just don't know, Philip, you know. I'm as baffled now as I ever was. It's one of the reasons, you know, I, I spoke up about it or tried to locate others who'd had mm -hmm. similar experiences to try and find an answer. Um, so even the abductees themselves, um, you know, don't know or, wow. or certainly don't don't share a common uh, opinion of any one particular theory, Rob. Uh, and you could talk all night about the different theories. What I, what I would say is, in my experience, in, in very general terms, these people are, are not the fruitcakes, they're not the lunatic fringe, they're not looking for their five minutes of fame. They have this most bizarre of experiences or a series of experiences that they cannot explain. By and large, they don't have any previous interest in this subject. It just comes like a bolt from the blue. Uh, and they're looking for answers, and um, they'll go wherever they can to find them. A lot of them, as you, of course, you know, don't speak mm -hmm. up. They remain, you know, incognito. But those that do, you just have this 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 urge to find out. And uh, you know, I've tried to help wherever I can, as as of many other researchers. But as, as a UFO researcher in in, in general, Rob, I, I look upon my job, if you like is to document this information to, to the best of my abilities. And hopefully, you know, somebody somewhere with, with more intelligence than I have will be able to make sense of it all. Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe in the future. But um, we shall see. Let me ask you, what, what, abductee th or what abduction theory do you support? Well, I, I spoke to a number of people and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak to one mm -hmm. of the abductees. His name is John. And um, I asked John that, that very question, you know, what, is this a physical phenomenon, John, you know, you, mm -hmm. you've encountered this along with your wife, so he wasn't on his own, and he said, Philip, he says, not only can I not explain it accurately enough, we as a species don't have the, the, the words in our vocabulary to explain it. Mm. He said, I know what it is, we're just, we're just not capable. And the way he described it to me, Rob, was, if you go to a movie set, okay. you know, and you look at it, you can touch it, you can see it, you can feel it, you can knock on it, and it'll mm -hmm. make a noise. He said, if you look behind it, it's all an illusion. And that was the way he explained it. Uh, I think he went on to say that, you know, whatever this phenomenon is, we as a species yet uh, have not yet evolved enough to, to understand it. He said it would be like giving a, you know, a chimpanzee a mobile phone. Yeah. It could probably, you know, make some noises out of it if he fiddled around with it enough. Mm -hmm. But you never in a thousand years would he be able to understand it. Um, so, you know, uh, and I've heard that echoed in, in scientific areas. I mean, it's not that long ago, Rob, if you think about it, that we'd look up in the sky and we'd look at rainbows. And yes, they were beautiful. We could paint pictures of them, but we'd no idea how they formed and what were the, the, the science and the mechanics behind it. But as we progressed we began to understand these things. Uh, and I remember a few years back, um, I hosted a conference in London and the main speaker was Whitley Strieber. Oh yeah. And at the end of his presentation, uh, there was a question and answer session and somebody asked him a question and, uh, you know, pretty much along the same lines, he just asked me uh, and, and Whitley's response at that time, it may have changed now, of course, he said, well, we're learning to ask better questions now. 
So in other words, we don't have all the answers, we yeah. don't have all the understanding, we're learning to ask better questions. And I thought it was, you know, a very important statement by Whitley. Philip, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, our very special guest this hour, the one and only Philip Mantle, www.beyondroswell.com. Philip and I will return on the other side of the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Splenda, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the Exxon. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from Astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Well, I just got back from Roswell, where the aliens have been. And if you ask the feds the cause, well, they'll only lie again. Now I'm hunted by the gumshoes, and I'm wanted by the cops, cause they think that I might be the guy making circles in the crops. And I know that there's a conspiracy from the voices in my head. Elvis lives, that's clear to me, it's McCartney who is dead. And if the Mars man should come again and take me, I will go. I will take a trip on their rocket ship. God bless the UFO. Give JFK this message, it's the Cuban army's fault. And I know that Dave Koresh is alive inside a vault. We've seen reports in papers of a guy who knows about a car that runs on chewing gum, but the Arabs rubbed him out. And we loudly warn that America is badly unprepared. With the Cold War through, we need something new that can get you good and scared. You wonder just who warning you of conspiracies today. We're the ones who fill the rumor mill. We are the CIA. Oh, there you go, Exxon Nation. God bless the UFO. Couldn't help that one tonight. Uh, Philip Mantle is our special guest, www.beyondroswell.com. And we're talking about Philip's new book entitled Once Upon a Missing Time, a novel of alien abduction. Philip, why are people being abducted? That's a good question, Rob. It's, uh, I'm not sure it's one I, I can answer. Um, again, lots of theories. The most common one, of course, is that, you know, these are beings from mm-hmm. another world who are coming here for their own purpose, their own agenda. There are those such as um, the late Bud Hopkins, an old friend of mine, believes that the the aliens have gone down a, a genetic cul-de-sac, if you like, and, and are here to not really do us any harm, but mm-hmm. um, to harvest genetic material to, to back up their own bloodstock, if you like. 
Um, that's one theory. It's, 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 it's you know widely agreed with in many circles. There are others who think this is some kind of altered state of consciousness, so that the experience you know may have an external trigger, mm-hmm. but uh, you know it doesn't lie in outer space. It, it lies within a space, and um, hence they would put their arguments for similar types of experiences throughout history and folklore. Um, so there are many, you know, arguments and theories as to what lies behind the the abduction experience. Don't really touch upon that in the book as, as such. We just point out that this has happened, you know, and it, and, and how how to try and uh, cope with it and the, and the effect it has on the individual. Because really, uh, you know, to be to be you know to be fair, as far as the uh, the the people in the book are concerned, they're not really that too bothered about what has happened they try and figure it out but it's how it's affected them and how it's affected their family life they live in a small community you know they try and keep it uh, under wraps as you know rob you know even today in today's modern times there is still a stigma attached to this subject in, in mm-hmm. many areas yeah a lot of people do not speak out you know i've just had a, a, a lady contact me literally um whose experiences started when she was four years old and she's never told anyone. Uh, you know, I'm the first person outside of her immediate family who she's ever told. No friends, no work colleagues, no nobody. And uh, I think I think in the 1990s, the stigma lowered somewhat when you had people like um, Dr. John Mack go on the record. You know, Harvard professor. Uh, here in the UK, we had uh, Nick Pope from the Ministry of Defence. Nick now lives in the United States and he's still very active. Uh, and they they tended to um, add an air of credibility, if you like, to the subject, and um, and that was very much welcomed. That seems to have tailed off uh, in recent years. There is still this stigma, largely fueled by no disrespect um, to to the news media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a, a a documentary here on on terrestrial television not not so long ago. And um, it didn't do the subject any good at all. They will pick out the most peculiar people they can for these things and try and make uh, fun of it. Uh, and you know yourself, Rob. You know some of them. If you if you have a UFO conference, there'll be there'll be one character amongst the whole audience, yeah. and they'll pick him or her out and and give the, you know put that up as an example of what we're all like. And and of course that's not true. Um, um, so again, it's one of the reasons for, for, for writing the book is, is to paint the abductees and, and the phenomenon itself in, in the correct light. You know, w- w- there are many theories, many arguments, many discussions, um, and, and, and they will be ongoing as, as, as the years go by. If you look back, Rob, at the whole UFO phenomena, going right back to Kenneth Arnold, I don't think Kenneth Arnold was ever convinced that we were talking about being from another world. He, his initial reaction were these were some kind of super secret aircraft. The only argument was whether the Americans or was it, was it the Soviets at the right, time? That's right. So, you know, not only has the phenomenon evolved down the years, but also the theories to try and explain it as well. And it could be in, you know, uh, 10, 20 years time, the theories will have changed. Uh, I mean, in the, in, in, in the early days, <clears throat> certainly in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, even with the likes of Betty and Barney Hill, the researchers were very reluctant to talk about the humanoid encounters and things of this nature. To them, it and and that's why, of course, they moved the phrase from flying saucer to UFO was to try and give it that bit more air of credibility as well. 
So it would be interesting to see as, you know, God forbid, I, 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 you know, heaven forbid I'll, I'll live a bit longer, that how not just the phenomenon evolves, but how the theories to try and in, make sense of it evolve with it. And uh, that's something I, I, I tend to keep my eye on. Philip, besides using hypnosis, what evidence is there to support the claims of those who say they've been abducted? Well, it's like most um, UFO encounters of any description, Rob, relying first and foremost on, on witness testimony, mm-hmm. which in, in any uh, legal system is, is the, you know, the most relevant type of, of testimony. In any court case, most of it is, you know, I saw him do this, exactly. et cetera, you know. So it, it's, if you can use it in the legal system, I don't see why this should be any different. Um, but then there are a number of cases where it's not just one individual involved. There are several. Hmm. Uh, those are not, you know, particularly common, but they are there nonetheless. We start with right at the beginning with Betty and Barney Hill, for for example. Um, in my in my my book, I use a, a family, you know, the Morrisons and their daughter, based on a real encounter when there were actually four people involved at the time, mum and dad and two children. So, and that, there is some physical evidence from time to time left about the person or the vehicle or the environment. Again, that's you know, uncommon, but it's not, it's, it's not unknown. So, I, I mean, again, a lady I, I interviewed here called Jane, she would often have, you know, scratches and scars uh, as a result of the encounters that weren't there the day before. I, I mentioned the young man, Nigel, from uh, Wales. He, uh, he had a burn mark on his wrist. Uh, probably the best well-known encounter in, in, in the UK was uh, from the late 70s, and that was Police Constable Alan Godfrey. Uh, PC Godfrey was actually on duty in his patrol car at the time uh, when his encounter happened. I won't go into all the details, but when he got back to the police station, there was, he noticed, a period of missing time. He was far later than he should have been. And uh, when he went to get changed out of his uniform to go home, he noticed his, his police issue boots, the big thick boots. There was a split underneath the sole, and he had a, a burn mark on the instep of his foot underneath his sock, wow. which wasn't there the night before. And, um, you know, that he was a police officer at home patrolling in the police car at the time of the encounter. Now, had PC Godfrey seen you stealing a car or, you know, <laughs> what, anything else, his testimony could put you behind bars. That's right. So why would we not believe him when I said, I saw this big thing blocking the road and it was spinning uh, and I couldn't get through to the base on my radio. And the next thing I know, I'm driving the patrol car further down the road. No recollection of how I restarted it. I'd drawn this thing in my mm-hmm. police notebook. I went back to where this thing had been. It had been raining. But the area of the road where it was was now dry. Uh, and, and there was a period of missing time I couldn't account for. Um, so the, there's all kinds of evidence. But of course, you know, we have to to say, you know, up front, be honest, that most of it is, is, is eyewitness testimony. It's, it's what they say, what they, they, they tell us about these things. Uh, and it's very compelling at times, Rob. But again, it's not always what they say. It's, it's how they say it, uh, the emotional content, the, you know, the, the, the puzzlement, the mm-hmm. fear. I mean, again, I mentioned Nigel from Wales. I interviewed him, you know, at his home. And I was a bit inexperienced in those days, so I asked Nigel if if he could show me the actual location where it took place, and he, he reluctantly agreed. So I took him 
and I took a few photographs of the area. It's a rural part of Wales, and then I asked Nigel if he would allow me to take his photograph at the spot. And I took a couple of pictures. It wasn't until I developed the photographs later that I, I realised, you know, how frightened he was. He was stood there like a piece of wood, Rob. He was wow. frozen to the spot. I apologise for that later. Now, Nigel featured in my first book, Without Consent, and I sent him a copy when it was published, and he thanked me for it. And then I got a letter um, five years later, and it, it took him five years to read it because it scared him so much. He, he'd now you know, married, had his own family, but it took him five years before he dared open the pages. So, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's largely eyewitness testimony, Robbie, if, if we're honest. All right, so you've got, you have these people who've had one hell of a traumatic experience. They're returned to their home or from wherever they've been taken against their will. They go to the authorities. The authorities basically laugh at them. How does this make them feel and what does that do to their world? Well, exactly. And that's, that's, that's what I point out in the book, uh, Once Upon a Missing Time. I mean, this, bang, this thing mm-hmm. happens. And who do I tell? Yeah. Now, in the book, I have um, the, the lady, her, her father is a, a retired police officer. They turned to him. Uh, obvious, you know, it was the obvious to my dad, uh, yeah. my father. And he just scratches his head. He's an old timer, you know. And that happened in real life, although it wasn't a police officer. Again, I mentioned a lady earlier called Jane. Mm-hmm. Her experience uh, first started. She had a series of them. She turned to her parents. And they just looked at her in bemusement. What, 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 what you know, what, what can I say? Yeah. Um, eventually, Jane went to her local doctor. And there uh, <clears throat> was a time in Britain when, <clears throat> when, when young women, if they went to the doctor, they were just prescribed tranquilizers en masse. Uh, and, and Jane was, was, was the same. She was just given pills. Uh, and the doctor said, yeah, I'll take these pills and it'll go away. Hmm. And of course, it didn't. So eventually she just threw those in the, in, in the, in the, in the rubbish bin. And it was only by chance, many years later, because her experiences were ongoing, she saw me uh, mention in a local newspaper that she contacted me. And I think I was the first one that just sat down and listened to what she had to say without laughing, without fobbing her off, without passing any comments. I was just there, you know, and, and, and she told me reams and reams of things. While she's mentioning my first book, I could have written a book just about Jane herself. And uh, no disrespect to her, she, she, she wasn't an educated lady, just an average uh, housewife with right. a young daughter, husband at work all day. And um, she was coming out of the most bizarre experiences. Now, I, I liaised with, with Bud Hopkins at the time. I would transcribe the interviews with Jane and send them over to Bud and Bud would come back with questions. But what was interesting is Bud had just begun began to write about what, what he called the smart baby dreams. The abductees who claimed to be uh, you know pregnant or impregnated by, mm-hmm. by by the aliens and then the the pregnancy would disappear. And lo and behold, you know, here's this lady several thousand miles across the Atlantic saying the same kind of thing. So how does that happen, Rob? You know, she she wasn't reading the material. It was only just available in, in certain UFO uh, publications in, in the United States. She didn't have access to them. There was no internet then. It's not something she could just pick up and read online. So she, you know, she couldn't have confabulated it from anywhere. And, um, you know, I, I mean, she was extremely puzzled. She didn't, wasn't frightened by her experiences. She was extremely puzzled. But she, 
she was in, in no doubt that these were extraterrestrials. And she looked upon it like this. She'd had a, a series of encounters, apart from the odd scratch or bump, hadn't really done her any physical damage. And there was no control of it. There's nothing she could do as far as she could see to, to prevent it happening again. So she just, you know, consigned herself to the fact that it's, it's going to continue. And, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have to live with it. You know, it's a bit like, yeah. a, you know, some people may have a, a, an ailment, Rob. That it's not going to go away. It's not going to kill them. They can't cure it, but they learn. They just learn to live with it. Philip, stand by, old friend. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour, the one and only Mr. Philip Mantle. And he's got a new book that is out right now, Once Upon a Missing Time, a novel of alien abduction. The website is www.beyondroswell.com. Hmm, geez. You know, can you just imagine that? You've gone through a traumatic experience. You've been taken against your will. Everything that you know or you thought you knew is turned upside down. You come back and you go for help and no one will listen. No one believes you. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. there isn't a Ghostbusters or the ufological equivalent that can ring, Rob. All right. Uh, Stand by, Philip. We've got to take our break. Philip Mantle's our guest. Once again, his website, beyondroswell.com. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back. Don't go away. And welcome back, everyone. Our guest this hour from the United Kingdom via Skype is our good friend, Philip Mantle. He's got a brand new book out. It's available on Amazon.com. The book is entitled Once Upon a Missing Time, a novel of alien abduction. Once again, it's available on Amazon.com. And uh, for more information, you can visit www.beyondroswell.com. Philip, do you think that those who are doing the abducting are a threat to the human race? doesn't seem to be that uh, the case at the moment, Rob. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you look at um, the abduction phenomena as far back as we can trace it, um, the, you know, the, we can't make an awful lot of sense about it. There doesn't seem to be a plan that would, that, that's obvious as far as we can see. But then, you know, the, 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 the answer may be staring us in the mm -hmm. face. We just can't recognize it. We're unable to recognize it. Um, and again, you know, on an individual basis, as, as we've, we've talked about uh, this, this evening, people have 
you know, taken on board the, the experience or experiences in many different ways. Mm. You know, they're not always terrified by it. It, it, it is a, a, a frightening experience to some, of course. Um, but others feel as if they're special, they're selected um, for something good. And then, again, if you, if you think about some of the main researchers in America, I mean, I know Bud Hopkins and Dr. David Jacobs had opposing views on this. Uh, Bud took a very positive yeah. look at it in some respects, while uh, David Jacobs quite a negative thing. He thinks there is a plan here, that, that, that there is a threat, there is something sinister behind all this. And, and he's argued his case in a, in a number of publications. Uh, and that is ongoing. Um, but, for, for, you know, again, I can only talk about it from, from the individuals mm -hmm. I've met. And, and I, I can't see any evidence of, of, of any plot, scheme, you know, invasion. <laughs> Call it what you will. Uh, the, 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 for me, the answers are still not there, Rob. For, for most aspects of the UFO phenomenon, especially the close encounters, still trying to find them. Philip, in your research, have you found a common thread between abductees? No, I haven't, Rob. It's a question I've often been asked, and I think it's it's, it's part of again of the research that's been overlooked. Um, as we mentioned right at the mm -hmm. beginning, we tend to concentrate on on the on the facts, the nuts yeah. and bolts. You know, what did you see? Where were you? What time was it? And you know, and so on. Uh, and 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 we've tended to miss out again the personal things. Well, you know. What, is there anything different or special or, or, or about the individuals? There was some work done here in the UK uh, by a, a colleague of mine called Ken Phillips. Ken, again, is sadly no longer with us. And he tried to concentrate on the individuals. And he had a, pro, a project called Anamnesis, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was to look at the individuals, their background, mm -hmm. their age, their education, and, and, you know, everything about them that you could glean. Uh, and sadly, that, that 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 you know that project. I, I, I guess, Philip, we have to, we have to uh, just give it a no. There isn't because you and I have run out of time for tonight, my friend. Listen, Philip, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on yet another great book. Thank you. And do the world a favor. Keep the great work up. I'll do my best, Robert. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you. Take care, my friend. Exxon Nation. Our special guest this hour, Philip Mantle. He's the author of Once Upon a Missing Time. It's available on Amazon. I'll be back tomorrow night. Enjoy.